I'm going to read verses 24 through the end of chapter 2 to verse 29, and then we will pick back up here uh, and go through verse by verse. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie. And just as it is, it, as it has a, just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. And now, little children. Abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. So when we take a look at these verses today, there's some really important things to know. We remembered in the previous uh, section there in the context of and keeping in context of what we're doing, John is trying to encourage believers. When you see the, the term little children, he's referring to you and I as believers. He was referring to those believers in those days. Little children. He's 90 years old or so, speaking to a generation. Upon generation below him, he's been ministering. He's the last apostle. And he's just sharing his love from what the Lord has shared and done in his life. He's now sharing and continuing to teach what God has taught him to his people. The people he's to shepherd. The people he's to, to watch over and to minister and to love on. And, and the highs and lows of life. But as we see in the warning, as John has shown and shared with us last week in that part of the letter, there are those who do not want you to grow or let alone even know who Jesus Christ is as Savior, as Christ, as the Messiah. That there are false teachers, there's false teaching that goes on within and around this, this world, and especially creeping into the churches. To keep you and I from knowing and growing in our relationship and following Jesus. There's attacks everywhere you turn to not have you read the word of God. To not believe the word of God. To not apply the word of God to your life. That you can live some quasi-mixed message of, of love and, and, and freedom and liberty and all kinds of things. And you just can live however you want to live. And God's going to love you. He does love you. We know this because even while you were still wicked, he went to the cross and died for those sins so that you would have a way to be forgiven. Because he loves you. But our God is also a just God. And once you become a child of God, he's like a father who is never going to let his, take his eye off of you as a child. And so when you as a child go running into the street, your father is going to grab you and bring you back so you do not get hurt. You may be saying, oh, isn't that a cute little thing? And it has a little rattle to it. Can I play with it, Daddy? No. That serpent will kill you. And a dad will go whatever it takes to bring you back. When your child wants to stick his finger in a light pug, he doesn't understand it, no. Even though he's been told multiple times, don't stick your finger or anything in that light pug. That father will discipline that child to keep that child to learn not to stick anything in that light plug. 
And it comes to the spiritual things of life as well. There are people out there who want to deceive us and want to take us away from following Jesus. To take us and water down the gospel, the truths of the, of the word of God and say, you don't have to believe the Bible. You don't have to believe the whole Bible. You only have to listen to me and, and listen to what I say and what I write in my books. And that's all you have to listen to. You Save yourself. You don't even need a Bible. Just show up at church and just sit there. It's all about socialization anyway. It's just getting around Christians. That's all you have to think and worry and concerned about. No, 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 my brothers and sisters. It's not just to meet your social needs. This is to be taught by the word of God, by God himself, by the power of the Holy Spirit, so that you can take that truth and apply it to your life and to be transformed. But there are people, as John says, and I'll say to you today, there are people out there today that are false teaching and false teachers going on throughout and creeping into the church. And it's where the church is not teaching the word, that will happen. That's why you have my commitment as a pastor, as a shepherd, to teach you purely the word of God. I'm not going to water it down. Not code it to, to say that you, if you're living in sin, I'm not going to say it's okay for you to live in sin. I'm, gonna, I'm going to, like a loving father, I'm going, to, I'm going to teach you the word so the spirit of God can convict your heart to change. Because as we've been reading and studying the first of John, we do understand that true confession involves personal faith. A personal faith alone in Christ alone. And what Christ has done, who Jesus is, and what he has done for you and me on the cross. There is such a thing as sin. There is such a place as called hell. And the Bible teaches all of it. And we must know all about it. But our focus is on our Savior, Jesus, and about heaven where our home is as a child of God. And to be saved is to be saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in the finished work of Christ alone. You can't work your way to heaven. You can't be good enough to get to heaven. You can't be just reading your Bible so consistently that, thinks you, that makes you get to heaven. You can't pray enough to get yourself to heaven. You must trust by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross for you. It's all about his blood that cleanses us, washes us as white as snow. And that's only by the grace of God. In other words, John picks up here in his letter talking about be careful with these false teaching that's going on. Be careful of these false teachers. There's some indications where we know it's false teachers. Why? Because we've learned so far in the, in the first John is that a false teacher will eventually will depart from the fellowship. They'll create their own little movement, their own little following. They will not stick around a healthy fellowship that teaches and studies the word of God. We also see another trait and indicator that they will deny the faith, the true biblical faith. They will have maybe 90% of what it sounds good, but it's the 1% that's going to kill you. But they will walk away from the biblical truth of faith. They'll always say, yes, 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 okay, fine, fine, you can have Christ, but, and you must also watch out. Christ and the law, watch out. Christ and you must do these certain works. That's how you're saved. Watch out. It is by the grace of God and faith in Christ alone in his finished work. That's who saves you. But we see, see, therefore, let that abide in you. 
John is saying to his, those believers, now with those truths, let that abide in you. The warning that I just gave you about false teaching, let that abide in you. Let it be part of your life. It is not something that's just, oh, interesting to hear. That's fascinating. I've heard that before. Can you tell me something new? Those are not right thoughts. You and I are always having to be reminded because we're very forgetful <laughs> at times. I don't know about you, but you can forget about the truths of God if you're not constantly focusing and meditating on his word day and night. Like breathing. But let, the, let that abide in you, which you heard from the very beginning. The, the beginning. This is not something new. We've been hearing it and hearing it and hearing it and reinforcing it. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, he says, my brothers and sisters, you also will abide in the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Father, the Heavenly Father. See, in light of the danger of this, as he talked about last week, or we've spoken in part of the letter here, about that spirit of the Antichrist. It's always a spirit of the Antichrist coming in, trying to deceive and to take away... And pull you away from Christ. Pull you away from the truths of God. We protect ourselves. And this is part of the letter after he's saying there's a spirit of an antichrist. There's false teachers coming. But he's now encouraging you and I to say, but don't be fearful of that. Don't be just be paralyzed by that. Because I have two good things for you to, to share with you. The first is that you're abiding in Christ. You're preserving your relationship with God because you're abiding. You're staying very close to him. You're not being swayed and pulled away. You're sticking with the word of God. You believe the word of God. Not things of God. Not the para-religious things of God. But the true relationship with God. And that you're not going to allow anyone as religious as what they sound like. And how persuasive they are with their words. If they take me away from my focus on Jesus. And away from the truths of the word. Do you have nothing to do with them? Nothing. Even if it's religion. Because we, he's saying, I need to let you understand, you're protected as a child of God. You're protected against the spirit of Antichrist by abiding in that core Christian message, that word of God, the original. Don't, I know that was the stuff that's being added, but from what you heard from the beginning. And as we walk this life day in and day out, we walk in the simplicity and the power of the message of the word of God. And we will not be led astray. We will not get deceived. The world will not entice us and bring us into the things of this world. So he's saying and encouraging and it's encouraging to you and I. We are safe from the Antichrist, from the spirit of the Antichrist, from this false teaching, because we're staying abiding in Christ. The word of God is what we hold on to and the truths of God that he's given us. It's his truths. It's not man's truth as much as the false teaching tries to tell you. Those are just man's words. Why do you even believe the Bible? When you hear that even a glimpse, you're staring at the Antichrist, the spirit of an Antichrist in that individual. And you know me. I have no problems telling that person that that, what you just said is from the spirit of the Antichrist. Because it's what just someone, I don't get that too often, right? (laughs) Usually I don't. But that spirit of the Antichrist is always praying and looking for the weak sheep that don't know the word of God. And that's why we come here, so that you're taught until you can, as the spirit is so, so strong in you that as we will see that John says, the spirit of God will teach you all things. Humans, by nature, Almost always look for something, the new, newest and greatest thing. 
the new little gadget, the little new shiny objects, what's new going on. It's so true in the, in the religious world as well, the spiritual world. What's going on over in that church? What's going over in that church? What did you see online? Did you watch this? And, and oh, you should watch this and this. Oh, this new guy. Oh, he's got a new book. And unless it's part of the 66 books of one Bible here, I don't want none. I don't need any of that. I don't. I want to know the word of God. And if that person sways me and moves me away from the word of God, I don't want nothing else to do with that. It's of no interest to me. Because I don't want to be deceived in any way. But we have a tendency, almost always think there's newer is better. But John is saying here that newer is not better. It's the best is the truth. What we heard from the beginning, it is better. Stick with the word of God. The Paul, Paul Apostle, the Apostle Paul communicated this same idea in Galatians 1, verses 6 through 9, where he warns against going after a new gospel and emphasizing the importance of continuing in the original true gospel that Paul taught. He says, don't begin to see by the new stuff that's going out there, this mixed kinds of stuff that people are just creating their own little followings. Don't, don't get deceived by these things. Just follow you with what I've given you, what God has given me. I'm just sharing with what God has given me. And, I, and so many times people are out there, oh, I've, I've got a, it's a special relationship with God and he's given me a new revelation. Let me write my book. And, I, and as long as you buy it, well, let's, talk, let's talk. Don't be deceived by these things. This is difficult because we are tempted to be, as we see in the warning in Ephesians 4.14, we can get tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. When you read these things in the scripture, that tells you you should be alert at all times. Because it can tell so subtly now, Right? Before someone had to hand you a book or you had to, someone had to tell you personally. Now they just send you these little vignettes and all these little, oh, sharing this, this, oh, sharing this guy. Be careful what you're catching. I know they're friends of yours, but sometimes your friends may not be solid in the word of God. And maybe bringing something to you and planting seeds that you don't want to have germinate in your life. We often itch. Or something new and exciting, even if it departs from that which you have heard from the beginning. Now this does not describe whatever teaching any Christian might receive when he is newly following Jesus. What he's referring to here from the beginning, what you've heard from the beginning is the beginning of these believers describe the time when they were under the teaching of the apostles, which is recorded in the New Testament. We're all here today. At that time, it's the apostles. We're directly from the apostle. Here, Apostle John's giving them directly from God, the Spirit of God, giving them words. For us, it was God has written and preserved it in the New Testament for us to learn. So when it refers to this and how it applies to us today is what you heard from the beginning. The beginning is when the word of God was established. And that is what we call the Bible and it's in hand. We must abide in the word of God. We must abide in from what, what is from the beginning. And when we stay close to our Bibles, if that was your environment as a young person growing up, you were always introduced and read and heard the Bible. You went to church, you heard the Bible. You heard the Bible, you heard the Bible. That is a great thing. But have you abided in it still today? Do you still believe the Bible today? That's what it means to abide. But if you were not, like I, I was never taught the word. I've never, I knew there was a thing called a book called the Bible. I didn't know what that was. Put yourself in an environment now, going forward, where the Bible is taught. 
where the Bible is talked about, where people actually read it, live it, abide it. That's the fellowship of people you want to be around. Because when you're around people who are just love the word of God and they love Jesus, it will, it will have a positive effect on your life for you to grow and as, as, is to have that same desire as they have. But let it abide in you, John says. Because when that you let it abide in you, you will also abide in the Son and in the, and the Father. So he's really simple for me. You get out of the Word of God, you are going to start, you will not be crying out to Jesus. You will not be trusting in Jesus for your life. You will not be talking to your Heavenly Father. Your prayer life will come to a screeching halt unless you're in trouble. And probably because you're in trouble is you went back to sin. And when you went back to sin, you realize the conviction's there because your Heavenly Father hasn't let you go. And he's convicting you and say, son, I told you, don't put your finger in the life socket. That little zap, that could have killed you. That's a little warning for you. You, you. you need to come back. Get back in the Word of God. That means you'll be drawing closer to the Son. You're closer to the Father. You'll be back into prayer. You'll, it's not complicated, my brothers and sisters. It's not complicated. It's not always easy. Because of the things that will distract you, the deceiving things that will come in your life, will keep you to want to draw closer to to God and read the word of God. Because abiding means to live it. It doesn't mean just to know the word of God. It's to live it. It's to practice it. When we are living in the simplicity of the truth of Jesus Christ, we will abide in the Son and the Father. Our world is filled with people searching for God. Do you know that? Searching for truth. Searching for answers of the emptiness that have, they live within. The confusion that they're living in. The, the oppression, the depression that they, they're, they're living from day to day. They're looking for an answer. The world is filled with people searching for God. Some sincerely and some insincerely. But if someone wants to really live in God, John tells us how to do that. Let the message, let the word of a God that God gave to the apostles to write down to live and to know and to live and apply that to your life on a daily basis. You've heard it. question is, will you live it? Will you live it? That's my prayer for you as a pastor, that you will hear it, understand it, and live it, apply it, practice it. And watch the transformation from within take place. John did not say, if you know God's word, then you know God. He doesn't say that. Because someone can have this intellectual knowledge and intelligence and say, I've read the word of God. I know, I know what the word of God says. But that doesn't mean you have a relationship with God. That doesn't mean you actually practice what you've memorized and can quote. Hasn't been a transformational in your life with him. John is saying, if God's word lives in you, God lives in you. The word of God lives within you. You're practicing, applying it. It's who you are. It's what you believe. You're obedient to the word of God. You have God within you. And we can come to a living and growing relationship with God through the word of God. He uses the word abide six times in these verses. He's, any writer, any speaker repeats things over and over. It's a key point for you and I to take away. You must abide. You must abide. You must abide. Not, not run away. Not isolate. Not stop. 
Not just hang around. Abide. Apply. Do. Consistently. That's what John is saying to us, to these believers. And if you do that, you will not get deceived by the false teachings that are going around. When a deceiver, someone slightly comes in and befriends you and makes you feel like you're friends, and there's just a, a method of just trying to get to you so that he can then bring in the, the falseness into your life and to try to sway you from the walk from God, you will smell it. You'll, your discernment will be so strong, you'll go, doo, 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 doo. the meter will be going off going, no. But let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you who he is. See, abiding in Jesus, living in Jesus, not a passive thing. Not, it's an active thing. We must give ourselves mentally and spiritually to living in Jesus. Because we're called to abide in him. This is not a, a, as a child of God, if you've given your life to God, this is not an optional thing now you get to make. Your father says, if you're, you're like, if you're a father and you have a little kid or a mother you, and you have your little child with you and you go to a store, do you sit there and say, I know you're four. I know you're six. I know you're two. Go wander the store. Just go have fun. Do whatever you want to do. Any parent in their right mind would never. What do you ask them to do? You all know the answer. Stick with me. Do you not say that? Why do you say that? Why do you say that? Stay right beside, right, right now. No, no, don't, don't leave, leave my sight. You stick right close to me. Why? First of all, you love him. Because if you didn't love him, you would let him just go wander away. You love your children. And you know there are dangers out there that potentially could hurt them. That's very simple and basic, don't you think? You all get that, even if you're not married and have children. You understand that. Because even if you're a parent, especially as a grandparent, you go to a store and you watch any family and all of a sudden you see them, they don't have any, the child's all by themselves in a store. What do you do? It's in, your, it's, it's, it's in you. You're like, where's the parent? Where's the, why is that child by themselves? And you don't even know the child, but you're watching their child because you know there's a danger that could happen to that young child if that child gets lost and snatched up. It's in you. You cannot help it. Do you know your Heavenly Father says, I need you to abide with me. Stick with me. Stick with me really close. Because if you wander away from the truths of God, what my truths are, someone's going to snatch you up. Someone's going to take you on a place you never, never want to go. Why does he do that? Because he loves you. Jesus loves you. Your heavenly father loves you. John is saying to you, to me, by the Spirit of God, abide in him. Abide in, the, abide in Christ. Abide in the word of God. Stay close to Jesus so you don't get snatched up. You don't get drawn away. You don't have to get scared. Because you're close. You're abiding in him. Fear will come in and confusion will come in. Nervous, all kinds of problems. You start going squirrely when all of a sudden you cannot, you're not abiding. 
child thinks, even a child will say, oh, mom, dad, I'm big enough. I'm, I'm old enough. I can, I can go wherever I want to. There's very rebellious little spirit in, in the kids sometimes. Say, I don't need your mom and dad. But they're always watching. Because all of a sudden you're not there. What happens? You hear the cry. Dad! Mom, you know, when there's something scary, God, Dad, Mom, you know, they want that security. Our security, my brothers and sisters, are abiding in Christ. And look at 25, he gives us a promise, and this is the promise that he has promised us. What is that promise? Eternal life. He's promised you and I eternal life. It's a beautiful thing because what is the blessing of abiding in the truth and abiding in God? He promises you and I eternal life. If you've trusted Christ and have confessed your faith, you have eternal life today. That's a promise that God has given. And God does not go back on promises. Regardless of how you feel. He cannot, does not, he cannot, it's not any possible way for him to lie and go back against his promises. That's why I hold on to him. When I read him in the word, I hold on to him dearly. Because I know it applies to me. It applies to you as a believer. And when his truth, what you've heard from the beginning, lives in us, then God lives in us. And when God lives in us, we have a promise of this kind of life. Eternal life is real, my brothers and sisters. It's real. It's very real. Every human being made in the image of God is immortal in the sense that our souls will live forever, even in heaven or in hell, if you're not a believer. Eternal life doesn't just mean a life that lasts of eternity. It means and it describes the kind of life that God has for you and I today. As a child of God, you have no fear of death because you know you're not going to die. You might leave this body, but that doesn't mean you're dead. As a believer, that just means you're in the arms of your Savior, Jesus Christ, who you abide in. But if you're a non-believer today, you don't have that promise to be in the arms of the Savior. You don't have the promises of being the fact that you can be in the arms of your Savior in heaven. You will be sent to hell because that is, was your choice because you, you didn't want anything to do with Jesus. You made that decision while you were here on this earth. What decision have you made have you made the decision to give your life to Jesus? Then abide in him. If you've made your decision to follow a religion, that doesn't save you. By coming here and going to church and checking that off because you went to church once in a while because you know you're in really tough shape today, that doesn't save you. Because your parents are saved, doesn't save you. Your grandparents saved, doesn't save you. Knowing a few scriptures don't save you. Giving your life over to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior by faith. Because you recognize, you confess, you know you're a sinner and you need to be saved. That decision will save you. Have you done that? Because if you do, you have the promise that God has given us that you have eternal life. I don't know about you, that's exciting to me. You have a life. You never had a life before Jesus. You thought you had a life. No, no, you didn't have a life. You were dead walking. You were just, you were just dead walking and walking in death. 
But John says, you have eternal life. This is a promise. This is a truth. This is, this is facts. This is something you live today. It's a kind of life that God has for you because he's the eternal one in himself. He has imparted that into us. We have eternal life. And we have the ability to live for him now in that eternal life. Spurgeon said, you must be in a living, loving, lasting union with the Son of God, or else you are not in the state of salvation. I love how you can just read the Word of God and God can cleanse you from bad thinking and bad teaching. We see the fact that as we can understand it, a man is not saved by the approval or the agreement of a creed that was written in the church. I've read the creed, I believe the creed, I repeat the creed that the church has given me. And I signed off on it. That I believe the creed that doesn't save you. I'm a, I'm a Calvary person, I'm a Methodist person, I'm a Catholic person, I'm a Protestant person, I'm a Lutheran person, I'm a, I believe in what they do. That doesn't save you. You and I are saved by trusting Jesus Christ and bearing witness to that faith. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, makes it so clear for us. If, if you and I confess with our mouth that the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart, with no questions, in your heart, that God had raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. Because if, with that, that, that heart, that heart that one believes in who Jesus, who died on the cross and buried for the three days and rose from the dead and he now lives and he ascended into heaven and he lives to intercede for those he, who put their trust in him. That heart, heart of, that believes unto righteousness, unto purity of one's life, And with your mouth, you confess is made unto salvation by confessing these truths. You can be saved. See, false teachers will often say, we worship God. We believe in the God the Father. Even though we may not completely agree on who the Son is and who Jesus Christ is, but we, we believe the same God. Let me tell you flat out, my brothers and sisters, any religion that tells you that they believe there's a God, they don't even say God the Father, but they don't believe Jesus is God in the flesh. You're speaking to a spirit of the Antichrist. To deny the Son, God, John makes it clear here, and also in the Gospel of John makes it clear that to deny the Son means to deny the Father also. You cannot separate the Father and the Son since both are one God. John 10.30 says it clear, I and my Father are one. So anyone who comes in and knocks on your door and says, let me tell you about their religion, let me reassure you. Most of those are going to knock on your door to do that. They deny the Son. So we see the third indicator. We see false teachers will walk away from fellowship. 
We see them that they will deny the faith. But look at what John writes here in verses 26 and 27. We find that false teachers will also will look for any way possible to deceive you, the faithful. He says right here, these things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. So, brothers and sisters, John is saying to the believers there, and in the Spirit of God saying to us today, you know why we're not going to get deceived by these false teachings? You know why you have the security and surety that you won't get deceived by these religious things that are going on and, and the deceptions that are going on around us? The spirit of Antichrist? Because you abide in Christ and you have been anointed by the Holy Spirit when you got saved. You have the anointing. You have the Holy Spirit that lives within you and seals you for eternity, the promise of eternal life. And because you're abiding and because you're anointing, you will not listen to the falseness that's going on. The deceptions that are going on. John knew there was these deceptions among the early Christians. And as a pastor, he was greatly concerned. As a pastor, I'm greatly concerned of what goes on. He had the passion to keep them consistent with God's message of truth. He said, stay with the word of God. Stay with the word of God. Don't sway from the word of God. I am saying the same thing to you, my brothers and sisters. I love you dearly. I want you to stick with the word of God. I want you to know the word of God. And I want to give you the absolute truth here. If you stay abiding in Christ and don't sway from your Savior, and you are knowing that you're anointing, and don't grieve the Spirit of God by dabbling with sins. Stay away from those things. So the anointing will be so fresh in you that he'll teach you. The Holy Spirit himself will teach you all things for life. All the basics of simplicity of life, where to live, how to live, where to go, how to go, to live a life that is pleasing to our Heavenly Father. If you let the anointing, the protection, the guidance, to allow you to follow God. Have you ever thought about this? All these false teachers and false teaching that goes on. Who do they always try to go for? Do they go for the non-believer, the drug addict on the street? No. They don't go for the non-believers who are living and partying up and living their life however they want to. Because Satan says, why don't mess with them? I've already got them. They're living their lives and like the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. They're, I've already got that guy. Oh, she's all mine. She's so, she's so following the, the little new trinkets and, and oh, she's just living life up, man. Satan never messes with people who already are his. So he doesn't use the false teachers to reach the loss. They're already lost. False teaching always preys on the believers, the faithful, the ones who are trying to grow and to learn and to stay abiding in Christ. That's who they come after. So don't be surprised that your buddy, your coworker, your neighbor, someone starts coming and trying to entice you that if you don't need to go to church, you don't need to read your word, you can just live your life. Don't you have liberty, man? God's love. He'll take, can accept you in anything you do. You can live any sinful way. He still loves you. Do you not see that in the church today? Openly rebellious, sinful lifestyles. Are paraded around like it's okay. And you can still call yourself a Christian. Don't be deceived. The Bible is clear. 
Yes, he's a God of love, but he's also a God of just. My brothers and sisters, do not get deceived by what's going on in the church. The world, we almost, almost kind of acknowledge that. But now it's prevalent within the church. Church, let me, let me give you open, open brackets on that. These things, John says, concerning those who are trying to deceive you, you don't have to worry, but, oh, I, heard, I just had a pastor's conference a retreat the last four days, and one of my buddies, he was teaching, and I loved it. He says, when you come to the butts, there are good butts and really bad butts, so be careful of the butts. This butt, the anointing is a good butt. You have the anointing of the Spirit of God to keep you from being deceived. You have received from him, abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. Not to say that it's not important to have the teaching. Why? Because if you just got saved, you don't know where to start and how to start. You need to be taught. And if we're not careful, 1 Timothy 4.1 is a big warning for those, especially new in the faith. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Those who were in the church, acting like they were following and abiding in Christ, but they, we see the warning that, the, that the, the, in the latter times, it speaks of end times, speaking of the days that we live in today. Some among within the church, and I pray none of you, this is applies to none of you, will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Let that be our warning. How important it is. We do not stray away. We must stay abiding in Christ. And we must allow the anointing, the Holy Spirit, to be alive and well within us, not grieved in any way, so that we can be discerning about these things. Because there are going to be doctrines of demons going to be introduced to you somehow, some way. It's the way Satan works. There's going to be deceiving spirits. Just because you think it's the Holy Spirit, it may not be the Holy Spirit. You just test all things of what's being said and done. Test it how? Test it by the word of God. If it doesn't say it in the word of God, it doesn't say, don't touchy. No touchy. See, I keep it simple. Don't stick your finger in the light socket because you want the experience. It could kill you. Don't chase experiences. Stay abiding in Christ. And the anointing which you have received, yes, you have as a believer, you've received the Holy Spirit who seals you for eternity, gives you eternal life, but also abides in you so that you are abiding in him and that you will know and continue to live in truth. John spoke of the anointing. If you remember back in chapter 2, verse 20, this anointing is not a private property for some special or impressive Christians. You who just gave your life to Christ has the anointing of, of the Spirit of Christ in you. You have the anointing to protect you, to live for him. John's message is simple. Because of the abiding and the anointing of the Holy Spirit given to all believers, they possess the resources for knowing the truth of God. A believer must allow the Spirit of God to teach him from the Bible. One of the most important functions of the local church is the teaching of the word of God. Any church that does not spend its majority of a time as you gather together in the teaching of the word of God, I believe is off track. 15 minute sermon, sermonette is not teaching the word of God. Go back and read 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. Look at uh, uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 5 of 2 Timothy. 
Because as we gather together, we can also teach one another the word of God. But once you hear me teaching, or anyone who's teaching from the pulpit, or if you're spending time in fellowship and they're sharing with you the things of God, you have the responsibility to test all things of the word of God. That's why you should take notes. That's why you should not. If something's, oh, I've never heard that before. Go back and research to make sure you're a Berean and you know that it's true. I give you enough scripture and enough there to help you to go back and see what I'm basing, what I'm teaching on. But the Lord is showing me. So that you have the confidence that it's the word of God. And you can allow it to work in your life. And you will abide in him. Because you're abiding in anointing. And that Holy Spirit will guide you into truth. And it will draw you and it will guide you closer to Jesus. Jesus implies that we are to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Matthew 4.4. That's the word of God. Paul even carefully said, I preach to you all the counsel of God, Acts 20, 27. That's why we teach from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation. We do not miss one word. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable, 2 Timothy 3, 16. The word of God comes from God. Don't let anyone deceive you on that. And we'll finish with this in verse 28 and 29. What does it mean to live in Jesus? He says, and now, little children. My brothers and sisters, now. Abide in him. That when he appears, because Jesus is coming back. His second coming, he's coming back. The rapture is going to happen for us believers. Are you ready? Because he, he's going to appear. We may have confidence. Confidence. And not be ashamed before him at his coming. That is a sober words. Verse 28 was sober words right there. If you know that he is righteous, he's pure, he's right, oh, perfect. You know that everyone else who practices righteousness is born of him. That means you're born again. Abiding in Jesus means that we need not be afraid or be ashamed of our life that we live for him today. We should not be afraid. We not, should not be ashamed when Jesus returns and finds us you in a state of what? Of rebellion? Of worldliness? Like a dog back to his vomit, licking up the vomit when he returns? That would be great shame, wouldn't it not? He came back and you're in the middle of your old sins that you walked away from. He forgave you for and you went back to it. We can intimately know Jesus. That when you have that intimacy and that relationship and that is tight, you have absolute confidence when it's coming for his coming. You don't fear that he's coming. You can't wait till he's coming. See, John brings up a challenging image for you and I. When Jesus returns, some people will be afraid because they never knew Jesus personally at all. They'll be tremendously afraid. But let me warn you, my brothers and sisters, who do know him. Those who have been among him who know him, you won't be afraid, but you will be ashamed. 
because you haven't been living a life that pleases him. Today's the day you can change that. For both of you, if you don't know him, today's the day of your salvation. Today you give your life to Jesus Christ. Confess you're a sinner and you need to be saved and only he can save you. And it's by faith and faith alone. Will you commit that? Will you commit your life to him today? If the spirit of God right now is speaking to your heart, you feel that 100-pound gorilla on your back. You've been playing religion. Don't get me wrong. I know you've been a religious. You may have been raised religious. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking, Jesus says, I want to intimately know you. And I want you to desire to intimately know me. If that's speaking of you right now, I need you to confess in your, in your mind right now. I need you to confess with, Jesus, forgive me. I'm a wicked sinner and I need to be saved. Come into my life. Take over. And watch the Spirit of God come in within you. And you'll have eternal life. You'll be changed. But if the Spirit of God is talking to my brother and to my sister today, and you've wandered off and you've wandered away and you've been enticed and deceived and you've gone back to the old flesh and stuff, you need to confess. Confess that to the Lord. I know I haven't been abiding. I know I've been grieving the Spirit because I know, God, you've been trying to get my attention and I've been refusing to come back. I always had a picture in my mind, like a little kid, like a little, like a powerful four or five-year-old. He's got one of those little harnesses on with a little bungee cord. You know how the parents have that? And they go running on and you're just going to hold on. Okay, Johnny, you're coming back. And they hit the end, and they spring back. That sometimes can hurt. But if you're a child of God, your Heavenly Father's not going to let you go. We have that assurance. You can be rebellious. That doesn't change the fact that you're not in the, you're not in the family of God. Do you know you can be in a family but still act like you have no mother or father? Or have no family, even though you're in a family? Don't act like that in God's family. Don't act like you're not a child of God. He saved you to have this intimate relationship for you to abide in him and be filled with the Holy Spirit to do great things for God, to live for him. So if that speaks of you, if you've been wandering off, today, come back, confess, get washed, get your feet washed, get, get, get right with God and live for him. Abide in him. Let the anointing refresh you and fill you and empower you to do great, to live a life that's pleasing to him. Because understand, a person who professes to be a Christian but who does not live in obedience or in love or truth is either deceived or a deceiver. Don't let that be of you. Not today. No, no. This way, this, today's the day you, you draw the line, you step over, and you live boldly for Christ. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love. If there's anyone here today, Lord, that wants to give their life to you, I pray that they would make that confession to you. And take a step of boldness as the eyes are closed and the heads are bowed. If you've given your life to Christ, raise your hand. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to know who God is working in whose lives. God bless you over there. God bless you there. God bless you there. God bless you up front. God bless you. God bless you back there. The Spirit of God is saying, 
I want to have this relationship with you. And is there anyone else that God is speaking to? Don't, no, no, don't, don't worry about it. Don't be a man pleaser, a woman pleaser. Don't look for anyone else. I, make a, it's your decision between you and God. And he's given you an opportunity today to give your life completely to him. Just make that confession. Make the bold step of raising your hand. Anybody else? Oh, I know it's nervous, but it's the best decision you'll ever make in your life to make a decision for Christ and live for him. Father, we thank you again for your grace and your mercy of saving those who raise their hands, those who are committing their lives to you. May your spirit come in, seal them for eternity, give them that promise of eternal life, and to live, empowering them to live and abide in you and you alone for their rest of their eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen.